Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. Thank you all for joining us today. I'm so glad that you woke up so bright and early on this rainy day. You know, if the rain doesn't fall, the flowers don't grow. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to be continuing our series on life and death, and today's topic is blood. And man, let me tell you something. This is a big topic. I don't know how we're going to condense it into like two or three hours today. So, I'll start with this. How many of you like a good horror movie? Yeah, me neither. I don't want to open myself up to a spirit of fear. But some of you might like a good war movie. From what I understand, both of those have a lot of blood. Not all blood is bad blood. (laughs) The Bible actually has more blood than you can imagine. In fact, the Bible talks about blood over 440 times in your average Bible. You're going to see the word blood mentioned. And all the way from Genesis to Revelation, blood is in the Bible. And I want you to think about a couple things. Uh, The priest in the temple with the sacrifices. Do you know how much blood those guys had to deal with? I mean, everyone thinks that the priest had this great job. All they did was like sacrifice animals all day and drain their blood and then go sprinkle it on the altar. And... uh, That that would have been a very bloody job for the priest to do that. I mean, if you read in Isaiah 37, in one night, everyone say one night, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers were killed by one angel. Think about that. That's a lot of dead guys, a lot of dead soldiers. One angel wiped out 185,000 soldiers in one night. And you know, Jesus is talking to Pilate. When was that? Uh, John 19. And he's saying, you know, you wouldn't have any authority unless it comes from above. No kidding, because where was it? Matthew 26, 53, Jesus is talking about, hey, uh, I could call 12 legions of angels to come and help me. A Roman legion was at least 6,000 people. 12 times 6 is 72,000. Do you realize Jesus could have called enough angels down to help him to wipe out 13 billion people? Soldiers, there isn't even that many people on the planet today. It's a lot of blood. I also guess that Peter's sword in the garden was probably pretty insane. I don't think Jesus needed Peter's sword. And you know what? God doesn't need your sword either to fight his battles. He needs you to be obedient. He needs you to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He needs you to raise your voice in prayer and join with him as we stand against the forces of darkness here. In the book of Revelation 14, there's a reference to 6,600 furlongs of blood up to the horse's bridle. That's like 320 kilometers of blood. How many say that's a lot of blood? The Bible's blood. There's a lot of blood in the Bible. Blood is pretty important to God. I'm not kidding when I say there's a lot of blood. But let's read from Hebrews 9, verse 16. Now, when someone leaves a will... It is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, it can't be put into effect. 
I mean, I remember Jesus told the one parable about the, uh, the lost son, right? And, and, and he, he asked his father for his inheritance while his father was still alive, especially in the Middle, Middle Eastern culture there. Uh, you know, that was like saying, I wish you were dead already. And he took his inheritance and squandered it. But in verse 18, that is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. What was the first covenant? The old covenant. And you see right in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing God had to do was kill an animal to cover them. Blood had to be shed or spilled to pay the sin debt. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled the book, both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. And then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you and in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified without, with blood. This is what I wanna to get to. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. So the whole old covenant, all of the instruments used in the temple, all of the people, everything was sanctified by blood, everything was purified by blood, but that statement, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. From the beginning, for sin, the only, penalty, the only payment for sin was blood. And the challenge with animal blood, it was only substitutionary or, or temporary because it wasn't a permanent solution. It had to be perfect, sinless human blood that would pay the sin debt. We'll come back to that in a little bit. In verse 23, that is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which are copies of the things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. That's what I was just talking about. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the one, the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he didn't enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Jesus only had to die once. We don't have to have the Day of Atonement every year anymore. Jesus went to the Day of Atonement was the day he went to the cross. And the day he went to the cross, he finished it once and for all. He was the sacrifice, final, complete, for all of mankind's sin. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes the judgment, so Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. So we see that through this, the author of Hebrews ties the old covenant into the new. The old covenant with the, the sacrifices in the temple ties it in with the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and that was how sin got eradicated, or that was how payment for sin was made. Now, foundationally, when we're talking about blood, I think it's very important that we go to even our natural blood. And I'm not gonna say a lot about our natural blood because I could talk for probably four or five hours about our natural blood and, and how it brings life and sustenance to your body and how it's necessary for you to survive. In fact, life is in the blood, that's what the scriptures say, we'll read that in a little bit. But I want to comment just on this real quick. 
your blood has a mechanism for clotting. That means when you cut yourself and start bleeding, the clotting mechanism kicks in. And it's actually pretty advanced and it's pretty in-depth how your blood knows to send certain materials to a certain location, not only to stop the bleeding, but to repair the wound. I'm gonna suggest to you that this is one of the proofs that we use to prove irreducible complexity, which is simply, um, there are some things that are so advanced and so complicated, it is impossible for them to naturally have been created that way. And I'm gonna give you another illustration of this to give you a picture of it, because it's easier for me to give you this illustration, this is the blood clotting one. When we look at um, the bacterial flagellum, which is on the cellular level, the sheer number of cellular motors that would have had to come on time, be perfectly shaped, perfectly formed, and come online at exactly the same instant is mathematically impossible. It would be equivalent to your car engine bubbling up out of the ground, all the parts, and they found a way to assemble themselves together in a fuel source and an ignition source all at the same time. In fact, I would posture the cellular makeup of your body is infinitely more complex than your car engine. So for someone to suggest that it just happened by chance, for lack of a better way of putting it, they're educated idiots. <laughs> they look at the evidence and they have to come up with a solution that can't, it can't possibly be God, so it has to be something else, right? I mean, if you look at the complexity of the human eye, these things prove irreducible complexity. It means there had to be an intelligent designer or life could not exist. We catching this? Your blood is one of the proofs we used for this because the clotting mechanism is so complex that there's no way it could have happened by chance. Because see, evolution works, you know, it, it starts evolving and then it tries this and then it tries this and then it tries this, but it doesn't try 50 things at once or 500 things at once that all come online together and then find a way to reproduce themselves. Ay, ay, ay. All right, let's move on from that. Natural blood. The only note I had for myself on here on the flagellum was there's 40 protein strands alone that would have had to come online together, not including all the motors that interact with one another. 40 unique protein strands would have had to been created in just the right sequence. Just for one cell. You catching this? Just for one. That doesn't even talk about the ability to reproduce. Okay, let's look at covenant. I want to go to covenant because I think when we're talking about blood, we need to talk about covenant. The Bible tells us that life and death are in the blood and lots of animals gave their blood to pay the sin debt temporarily. In Leviticus 17, it's the most popular verse on the topic. If you look up blood in the Bible, you're gonna always find Leviticus 17. It says, for the life of the body is in the blood. I've given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. That is why I've said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor foreigners living among you. I mean, right from the book of Genesis, I told you Adam and Eve, his wife, uh, when they sinned, God had to kill an animal to cover them. But it was all about the blood. It wasn't about the clothing. I mean, it's normal for us to feel ashamed 
when we're not covered up properly. That's normal. The culture has taken what's normal and they've twisted things and now they call good evil and evil good and they've reversed this. I don't know how many headlines I see where celebrities and, and people that are, uh, what do they call them, influencers? They're influencers because they like walking around naked. By Genesis 22, you see Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. All of a sudden he looks up, there's a ram, a substitutionary ram caught in the thicket. Why? An animal dies in place of the human. Exodus 12 was the Passover. The blood on the doorpost saved the children of Israel, the children of Jacob from the angel of death. Okay, we can go all the way through the old covenant and we can see time and time again where blood came into play. Blood was important, sacrifice was important. In the new covenant, Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna read verses three to eight. You see, Jesus poured out his blood on the cross once and for all for the sacrifice of all mankind's sins. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that, catch this, he purchased our freedom with what? With the blood of his son, forgave our sins. He showered kindness on us along with wisdom and understanding. In the garden, death entered through sin. It created separation from God. In one generation, we saw Cain murder Abel. Sin came on the scene, and in one generation, you saw sin enter in. Isn't it interesting? Abel's innocent blood was crying out to God for justice. <clears throat> Cain thought, well, God, if you're not looking, if you're not with me, maybe you won't see this. And he killed his brother and put him in the field, you know. Then he lies to God, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? And God's like, yeah, nice try, Cain. Nice try. Has anyone ever tried to pull one over on you and you're like, yeah, no? <clears throat> Shedding innocent blood was such a great kind crime, the only way to get rid of it was to take the life of the murderer. At one point in the law of Moses, if someone's found dead and the assailant isn't found, they had to sacrifice an animal and declare, may this innocent blood not be upon us, the city that was closest to the guy. They had to measure the distance to the closest city if they find a guy in the middle of nowhere. It's serious stuff for a reason. In fact, Judah, you know, Israel split into Judah and Israel, right? Um, it was destroyed for shedding innocent blood. Have you read 2 Kings chapter 24, verse 3 and 4? These disasters happened to Judah because of the Lord's command. He had decided to banish Judah from his presence because of the many sins of Manasseh, who had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. The Lord would not forgive this. I think God hates the shedding of innocent blood. In Matthew 23, Jesus pronounces judgment on his generation for murder, a.k.a. he's talking about the blood of the righteous, and he pronounces judgment on them because they murdered people. Canada, it's time for us to repent for the shedding of the blood of the innocent. 
No matter which covenant, the penalty is the same. Destruction. I'm not done talking, but I want to pray. Father, we confess the shedding of innocent blood in our land. Lord, we repent. We ask that your righteousness will arise and that your blood will cover us, that you would forgive us and cleanse us. Purify our hearts, Lord. Purify our land. Only you can lift the curse and the destruction. So we look to you. We, your church, call out to you and say, cleanse us now. In Jesus' name. In Hebrews 12, verse 24, You've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. That's some pretty powerful blood. See, the blood of of Christ, it isn't to avenge us, it's to forgive us. It's a grace gift from God to you so that you can receive forgiveness. Now, if you don't have the blood applied to your life, when you stand before God, his vengeance will be released upon you because the full penalty of sin and the full weight of sin will be poured out upon you and God's wrath will be poured out upon you. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. That's why we live in the new covenant. But Jesus took his blood to the altar in heaven and he offered it to God. And as a result of him offering his blood on the altar in heaven, God has given us forgiveness of sins. He paid the sin debt which produced peace with God for humans. That means God and us can be at peace in relationship because Jesus eliminated or eradicated the sin that had come between us. 1 John 1, 7, if we're living in the light and God is in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It cleanses sin. Colossians 1.20, and through him God reconciled everything to himself and he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And in Romans 3, 25 and 26, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair. How many times do I hear, God, it's not fair. God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. It's not fair that I'm a sinner and Jesus died in my place. He took all my penalty for sin upon himself. It's not fair to Jesus. Just like it's not fair when Jesus died for the people who hurt you. Just like it's not fair in your mind when Jesus died for sinners. But he died for me and he died for you. Why is it such a stretch for us to think he died for them too? Because all those people in your life 
that you don't like so much, Jesus died for them too. He shed his blood for them too because God sent Jesus to earth to die for all humans. You know, there's a war going on in the Middle East between the sons of Jacob and the sons of Ishmael. They've been fighting for centuries. Jesus died for all of them. He died for all of them. The sons of Jacob he died for, the sons of Ishmael he died for. And his blood covers sin. His blood brings peace. Outside of the blood of Christ, you'll never have true peace. Because if you can't be reconciled to God because of his blood, how are you ever going to be reconciled with each other? Our own blood is essential for life. Our Savior's blood is essential for eternal life. Our life now is due to the blood of Jesus because there was a great exchange that took place at the cross. He died in our place. So our temporary life got exchanged for eternal life because of the blood of Jesus on the cross. And when you accept his blood in your life, onto your life, in your life, through your life, you come alive. And it's the life of God that will flow forth from you. And that's what changes our nature. That's the new man living life from the inside out. And you can only truly be alive when you have the blood of Christ applied to your life when you're in Christ, when his spirit is flowing in and through you, that's when you're truly alive. When we identify ourselves with Christ, this changes everything. In Revelations chapter 12, powerful verse, verse 10, 11, I think I gave them 11 only, but it says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power, the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And then it makes this amazing statement. It says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. The blood of the lamb is what differentiates you from every other world religion. It, it's what makes us the church, the body of Christ. The blood of Christ changed everything because his sinless perfection submitted itself willingly to be crucified by sinful man and there was an exchange that took place. Our death penalty, our curse, our separation from God. God's wrath against sin was poured out on Christ on the cross and satisfied in his blood. And through that, he's placed you by his grace in a place where you can receive his love and his mercy where you can start identifying as a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. And you know what? I was laughing this morning. Uh, Stephen, you guys saw him when he, when he came in to do the offering today. I was listening to a song called King of Kings, and I don't know why ever since uh, the music team sang it, sang it at Easter, it's been resonating in my heart. And there's a line in there, and it talks about how the church of Christ was born and the Spirit lit the flame. 
And I was just kind <clears> of <throat> sitting in my car when I came in for a minute, and I was like rewinding that part a little bit. And I must have had it a little louder than I thought, because Stephen's like, hey, good song you're listening to. I'm like, man, you were across the parking lot. Whoops. All you ladies in the home, if I woke you up, I'm sorry. But she goes on and she talks about the power of the blood when they're singing that song. And the truth is, it's the power in the blood. And then I started thinking about, you know, we used to sing, we still do sometimes, about the blood of Jesus and the power in the blood of Jesus. And you know, if you ever wanna get someone demon-possessed, irritated, start talking about the blood of Jesus. Man, do they start manifesting fast when you start talking about the blood of Jesus. Demons don't like the blood of Jesus, why? Because <laughs> they got their butts kicked when he shed his blood. Can I say that in church? Satan didn't even see it coming. They were rejoicing, thinking, hey, we beat him. He's dead. <laughs> Not for long. And when he came alive again, they were like, rut row. That didn't work out quite like we planned. The blood of Jesus is powerful. I want to suggest to you, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter how much guilt and shame you're facing today, the cross is the great equalizer because you can take all of your past sin and you can repent. You can turn your life around. You can say, God, forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus was the sacrifice. I receive your grace and your mercy in my life. And you know, if you pray and you repent and you ask God to forgive you, he will. And he'll give you mercy. And you can take your guilt and your shame and your hurt and you can lay it down at the foot of the cross and leave it there. And you can take on a new identity, child of God, son of God, daughter of God, kings and priests, as the author of Hebrews says. And in your new identity, we walk different. We see life through a different lens because no longer are we subject to the pain of our past but we can look forward to the glory of our future with our King. But I'm gonna tell you something, without the blood of Jesus, none of that would have been possible. Without accessing his sacrifice, without believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, where he shed his blood and took it up to the altar in heaven and sprinkled it on the altar in the presence of God, I assure you, when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, it was not a cry of defeat. It was a cry of victory, because he declared forever that now the sin debt has been paid. Now death has lost its power. Now sin has no authority over mankind because mankind can be subject to the spirit. And see, as Christians, this is how we live now. Spirit of God in us, we live life from the inside out. What do we do? We're image bearers. We carry the nature of God inside of us, and we take his nature and we reflect it to the culture. That's why it's easy for us to walk in love, right? Because really, that's our identity now. 
as Christians. That's why it's easy to stand firm on God's promises even when things, I can't remember if it was Jessica or Jade this morning, but they were sharing a little bit about how things aren't necessarily how you think they should be. I think it was Jade. But the truth is, you're right, we stand firm on God's truth no matter what we see because what we see is temporary and subject to change. But the blood of Jesus is powerful and God is working things out in your life even today. You know, Rahab and Joshua too tied a scarlet cord to the window. It represented the blood of Christ that was gonna come. By faith, she and her household were saved from death and even made it into God's hall of fame in Hebrews, and she made it into the lineage of Christ as well. If, you're, if you have communion, I'd like you to grab your elements, and I wanna read this verse as we go there. You can stand with me in your living room too. Maybe don't stand if you're still in bed. Stand next to your bed. It's safer. Matthew 26, 26 to 28. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it, and he broke it into pieces, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. You know, the night that he was betrayed, he was about to endure one of the most painful deaths known to humankind. Death by Roman crucifixion. Increasing pain as time progressed. I don't know about you, but if I knew I was going to be crucified soon, like the next day, I might have some other things on my mind. But Jesus instituted our covenant meal because he understood the purpose of his sacrifice was to cut the covenant with his own blood. You can't have a covenant without blood. So, Father, I thank you for the bread in our hands, the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ today. And, Lord, as we come into your presence, I thank you that you're uniting us in purpose, that faith is arising and hope is arising in the hearts of men and women all over, that courage will fall upon your people to stand up for what is right and good and holy and true. Father, I thank you that even as your word says, don't even worry about what you're going to say. It says, don't even prepare a defense if we're going to stand before kings and rulers for your name's sake, because the Holy Spirit is present in our lives. So Lord, as we partake today, I thank you that you're imparting courage to your people, strength to your people, those that are discouraged, that are anxious, that are depressed, that are down. Let them look up to you. Let faith arise. Let healing be released in everyone that's sick in the name of Jesus. Amen. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Jesus knew the purpose of his blood was to seal the covenant. He knew the purpose of his blood was to sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins for mankind. He knew exactly what was happening. The question is, do you know exactly what happened?
Do you know what Jesus did for you? Are you aware of the debt he paid? Are you aware of how much we should love him because of the debt he paid for us? I mean, think about it. I'll frame it for some of you so you understand. If you've got debt and you're having a hard time paying your bills right now, if Jesus came down and paid off all your debts, paid all your bills, your mortgage, your car payment, cleared everything, wouldn't you be pretty excited? You'd like that guy, eh? He'd be a nice guy, whoever did that. He'd be the best, someone said. Your sin debt was a debt that was impossible for you to pay. But Jesus paid it. You would have never paid it back. You weren't qualified. But Jesus paid a debt you couldn't pay. And the penalty for your sin debt was death. Father, I thank you that Jesus was obedient even to death on the cross, that he shed his blood for us. Father, I declare the power of the blood of Jesus over your church today. Father, that we have a covenant with the Almighty God, the Creator. Nothing is impossible to you. And through covenant, Lord, our greatest days are ahead. Father, through covenant with you, we can walk in love. Father, through covenant with you, we have joy, we have forgiveness, we have freedom, that curses can't stay in our household or on our bodies, that sickness and disease have to leave, poverty has to leave, lack has to leave. All of our sufficiency is in you today. So we look to the cross and we thank you for the powerful blood of Jesus. And there's some of you that are still telling yourselves you're not worthy. You'll never be good enough. Jesus made us good enough. You can't earn it. It's not about how well you perform. It's about what he did, period. So we receive the cup, Lord, as we celebrate our freedom in Christ, in Jesus' name. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. And uh, we talked about the blood. We'll look forward to seeing you all next time. God bless you. Have a fantastic day.